What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Today is August 9th, 2017. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going great. Yeah. Your intro just every single time just amazes me. Oh. You were like in a trance that time. Thanks so much. I was looking at the microphone like a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. My eyes were about to bulge out of my head. I'm starting to get a little concerned for my health and safety over here. Should be concerned for mine, maybe. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Graham, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, what are we it's August, early August. So uh, a lot of things are about to start happening in the sports world. Yeah. Falcons' first preseason game against the Dolphins is tomorrow. Um, NFL officially got underway last Thursday with the Hall of Fame game between the Cardinals and the Cowboys, which I didn't watch at all. I didn't, I didn't even know that happened uh, until right now. Well, there you go. Um, Romo, did he retire? Yes, he's officially in the broadcast booth. That seems weird. I feel maybe, like maybe you can. You've been living under a rock since the NFL offseason. I honestly, I, I was sitting at work today, kind of scrolling through some uh, sports crap, mm-hmm. and a coworker come in, came in, and I was just like. Damn it! I can't believe the Falcons lost that Super Bowl. Just because it was like the first, the first time I've really like read multiple things that referenced the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you're just like, Ugh. yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's... Like I saw like uh, Alfred's pick six replay of that. That was glorious. Yeah, but... and pay very painful when you realize what happened. Yeah, shortly after. And he was just like, yep, yeah, and they. Maybe they'll never get back there. Yep, it's possible. Yep. But anyways, we're here to talk about it all. We're here to talk about the Falcons. Um, talk about the Braves and how they can't beat the Phillies. 2-10 uh, and ten as of last night against them this year, against the worst team in baseball, so that's fun. So we're going to be spending a lot of time going through Falcons and Braves stuff today. Uh, so let's get right to it. A little bit of Hawks. Perhaps. Not a lot going on there. A smidgen. Smidgen, okay, you got something for us. Smidgen, smidgen of Hawks. Okay. The big news of the day came out uh, this morning uh, when it was reported by Ian Rappaport, the NFL (laughs) Network, that the Falcons have extended Devonta Freeman. Finally. Finally. A five-year, $41.25 million extension, guaranteed $22 million. Uh, 26 million over the first three years, so this deal is very front-loaded, and we'll talk about the benefits of that uh, in a little bit, and maybe the disadvantages as well. Um, so, you know, this is something that's been in the uh, in the works for a long time since before the Super Bowl. Since before the Super Bowl, when Devontae's agent, uh, Kristen Campbell, decided to the week of the Super Bowl be like, my client deserves to be the highest-paid running back in the league, and I don't care that you're playing a Super Bowl right now. I'm going to yeah. be a huge distraction, but I'm so, just going to, you know. Obviously, the Falcons agreed with that statement, but they thoroughly disagreed with the timing of that statement. Yes, and I think we all did. Uh, it was, set you on at least one rant that yes. I can remember. Yeah. Probably two. <clears throat> yeah, no, it was, it was frustrating just because you don't want anything to distract you at that point. I don't really blame that at all for why we uh, had the biggest choke job in the history of sports, but um, still, it's just not good form. Not no. conform to do. Um, but at the same time, I guess she's doing her job. She, she got she, her client her money. She got her client her money. She got her money. Uh, I'm sure they're all happy. Yep. Um, I know for Devontae personally, um, he's been talking about putting his, uh, I believe his four younger sisters through college. Through college. Yeah. And that was one of his big goals. And I guess to do that, um, you know, another guy who came from nothing, 
you know, got got the big payday of his career. This is the last big contract we'll ever get, considering the uh, the shelf life of a running back, unless he defeats Father Time AP style. Yeah. Um. So congratulations to him. No, no, really, really cool story. Him uh, coming from as far down as he was and getting here and performing so well, especially and, as a fourth round pick. I don't think anyone expected yeah. him to have the career he's had so far yeah. here. Back to back thousand yard yeah. seasons. After um, sitting behind Stephen Jackson for a year, right? Uh, great all-purpose back, um, catch a ton of balls out of the backfield. Has amazing juke moves. Um, great ball carrier. Doesn't fumble the ball a lot. Gets his yards, and uh, normally you know doesn't complain. I know last year a little bit he was like because he split a lot of time with Coleman. And he was like, I wish you know I want the ball, but I understand why we're doing what we're doing. It right. makes us a better team. So team first guy. Even though his head got a little, I think, mixed up with all this contract stuff, maybe talked a little bit more than he should have. He got his deal. But to his credit, he showed up to camp. Showed up to camp, didn't hold out. Unlike, uh, what's his face, uh, Le'Veon Bell, yep. who is currently holding out. Mm-hmm. And uh, showed up to camp, didn't complain, apparently showed up in best shape he's ever showed up in. Mm-hmm. Um, looks even faster out there, stronger. Um, so he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to, take this money and kind of just disappear, which can't really do in the NFL because it's not guaranteed money. Right. Well, there's some guaranteed well, money, not, not all the whole it. thing. Right, it's not like right. a baseball contract. So. Um, so kudos to Devonta. So let's talk about pros and cons of this deal. So, Adam, what jumps off to you initially as a pro? Uh, as a pro, they got the deal done. Um, yeah. Won't be a distraction going into the season that we'll have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Uh Initially, also the guaranteed money coming early in the contract, first three years, I'm sure it was pretty crucial on the Falcons' end, mm-hmm. since he's 25 now. Uh, how many years total was the deal for? Five years. Five years. So, I mean, he might still be around at 30, but who knows? Yeah, exactly. So, kind of... Uh, You're paying for his prime. Right. Which is big. Which is what he's in now. Yeah. And... um you know, he's a great player. I think he has been a huge part of the offense the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can't just count on a Tevin Coleman and a Brian Hill to step in and take on that role. So, I mean, I think he's an in- integral part of the offense, and I'm stoked that we got it done. So any cons for you? Um, I mean, it is a lot of money Yeah, for a running back. But it's funny. You see that number, 40 was it 40, 41 41 million yeah. and like we're I'm used to looking at NBA money it's like oh that's nothing man right like, that's what we'd pay like Ursan Ilyasova for a four-year <laughs> deal or something right so but I got NFL money it's a whole different deal yeah and I think for me um the good part about the deal is it's front-loaded you're paying mostly for his prime years if he falls off for whatever reason after the initial three years or even a little before, and you just got to deal with one one year of a mediocre Devante, then cut him. Yeah. Um, so I like that we front load the deal, and I think that also gives us flexibility. Um, you know, in case it comes to pass that Tevin becomes more of the guy for whatever reason, where maybe Devonte runs into some injury issues, maybe he's not as effective for some reason. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Then. I know Coleman's contract's up in a couple of years, and then you can make that decision with him. Like, the majority of the money has already been paid to Devontae. Then you can open up for Coleman or someone else or another back. Or you can give that money to 
other folks potentially. Um, so I like what Thomas has done with the deal because it gives you flexibility after Freeman's prime years. Or, you know, even if... Because he's 24 right now, I believe, right? So his first three years are 27. So it gives us flexibility going out of his prime because his prime is now through those through those three years to me. Yeah. Um, so I think it's from a... If you had to do this deal, this is as good as you can do it. And... Good news is, I know Le'Veon Bell is expected to command $12 million a year. I know Freeman wanted to be paid Le'Veon money. I kept thinking we're going to have to wait for the shoe to drop to see how much Le'Veon's going to get. True. And, and we didn't. And I think that helps us because if we had waited for that shoe to drop, who knows what happens yeah. at that point with the negotiations. And maybe they've reached a point where they're like, this is as much as we'll go for, take it or not. I don't know. Who knows what the, the, the uh, specifics of the deal was. But I'm glad that we didn't really overpay or give him double digits. You know, if we were starting to give him 10 plus million dollars a year or 12 yeah. for a running back in the, in today's national football league, that's too much. So yeah, if you have to make this deal, I'm glad it was done this way. Yeah. Doing it now is the way to go too. Cause by doing it a year early, you're able to spread that guaranteed money out over an extra year. Mm-hmm. So your cap takes less of a hit. Yep. Um, then if like, like I said, Le'Veon Bell is the perfect example of what happens if you wait Till it's too late. Right. So Exactly. Um, I will say the negative of this deal is it's common practice, I think, today, with the exception of, you know, super, super, superstar running backs. And you can argue that Freeman is one of those. But I don't think he's mentioned in the same breath as a, as a Le'Veon Bell, for example, who is thought to be... Not yet. Not yet. I'm not saying he, he, he won't be, but... Not yet, but that you don't give running backs big extensions anymore. You trust the system that you can basically produce a, um, you know, you can you can have a running back come in that's serviceable and he can thrive in your system. A la the Bill Bel- Belichick. Right, a la the Bill Belichick model where he has never They've really... never paid a running back. never paid a running back. The only running back he paid consistently was Kevin Falk to be the backup for... 27 seasons, it seemed like. <laughs> right. Um, is that man just like would not retire? Um, so there's that in the sense that I feel like we have a very capable um, guy you can take over potentially in Tevin Coleman. He showed a lot last year in but, terms of his ball security issues, you know, not being a problem anymore. Uh, nipped it in the bud. Yeah. He was able to prove that he can be a receiver out of the backfield. Um, which was huge, especially in that Denver game. I think he had over 100 yards receiving and led us offensively to win that game. Um, so you have a guy who's way in the wings that can certainly take over. So I could also see the argument of saying we overreached, we overpaid. What are we doing giving all this money to a running back, um, even though he's been a very integral part of the team? So I can see both sides of the argument. And this pretty much guarantees that Coleman will be gone in two years because he can't rep. I mean, he's well, going to command a big deal too. Maybe not. And I, I'll tell you why I don't think he will. If He's going to want a big deal. True, but he doesn't put up the same kind of numbers as Devontae. But he doesn't get the opportunities either. That's a good point. So I, don't, I think it's going to be one of those things where if this deal goes for the whole five years, right, or even, be, or even a little short, so it goes three or four years, Coleman, Coleman's contract's up in two seasons, I think including this year. So we could be getting to the point where he's going to go out and test the free agent market or we might try and trade him if we feel like Devontae, which I think 
all indications say Devonta is the guy now because we've given him this deal. Um, you know, if it comes to pass that, you know, he is still the lead back, he's still kicking ass, doing all this thing, you know, doing his thing, then I think Coleman's Coleman goes somewhere else. Either we trade him or he signs somewhere else. I don't. It's going to be harder to. I don't think he's going to command a deal like this because I don't think he's worth a deal like this. He hasn't put up the numbers yet. Right. But I think it's certainly a high possibility that he is gone in the next couple seasons, either by trade or leaving via free agency. Well, we're just uh, hypothesizing here. We are. I mean, this is uh, all speculation. But I like, how about this? Yeah. So say Coleman has another year similar to last year, if not better than he did last mm-hmm. year. But Brian Hill gets some reps and he shows potential as well. Yeah. Then in theory, this offseason, we could unload Coleman. Have Hill get a decent return, yeah, and then have Hill step in. I think that's certainly a logical hypothesis. Ooh, ooh. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, I think that's a great thing about this deal. Like we're talking about, this gives Thomas flexibility, and I think there's also still that outside chance. The hell was that? Sorry, can popped. No, Um, this gives Thomas flexibility, and I think that the outside chance of Devontae's injured, doesn't perform for some reason. You only really giving him that guaranteed money for the first three seasons. So then you can make a decision and say, okay, Tevin, it's your time, or Brian Hill, it's your time. So I think this is going to work out for us no matter what. I can understand people getting a little upset about um, this because I think even moving forward, there are some depth issues on this team. And we've talked about guard and all that stuff, and not just on guard. The offensive line. In in general, as a whole. Center, tackle, guard. I don't think you could really even name anyone who is a backup tackle center or guard on the Falcons right now. Robert Person. I think he's gone. <laughs> and that was Mike Person, actually. <laughs> Robert Person's probably a uh, plumber in Alpharetta or something. <laughs> Roberto Garza. Long since retired. Um, so I know one of the things that the Falcons have been doing in the offseason because of the lack of depth at the offensive line they've been taking DJ Tia um, who you might remember had his first reception last year I think against Carolina Panthers at Carolina on that uh, I think Christmas Eve game one of the classic Shanahan plays where one of the random tight ends ends up miraculously uh, yeah. 30 yards open right uh, he had his first reception it was for a touchdown really cool moment for him but anyways they, they've uh, decided to try and make him backup tackle and that's one of our plans at tackle, is to take this guy who's never played tackle before and just say, and plug him in. Not to say we're going to plug he, him I in. I think he started. played in college. Well, maybe. But, I mean, like, it's not like he has a ton of experience doing it. And it's not like right. he has a track record or a scouting report where you can look at it and be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, we have no depth on the offensive line right now, and it's scary. And you think about it, too, with, with center, um, the Alex Mack, and, you know, I broke his ankle last year and played on it like a fucking warrior. But, I mean, what if he goes down again? He was going to be our center. He was such a huge part in taking us from where we were to where we are now. Right. Um, and we have so much depth on the defensive line. It's crazy. You look at our difference between the depth on the defensive line and the offensive line. It's like you got your offensive line starters and a couple of guys you never really heard of. And Will Compton, who was terrible in the, in the Super Bowl. On the defensive line, you got you drafted Tack, you added Poe in free agency, you got Grady Jarrett, you got um, Vic Beasley, then you got Upshaw and all these other guys, and it's just the list goes Claiborne, on and on. Claiborne, Brooks Reed, Brooks Reed, all these guys 
but we have no – the disparity, the juxtaposition between offensive line and defensive line is stark. And it concerns me that offensive line has, like, no – there's no safety there. Like, if Grady Jarrett goes down for a couple games, like, all right, you know, up short, right. Claiborne, we can insert one of them in there. But if, if Alex Mack goes down, we're fucked. If, yeah. if, if Schrute, uh, Ryan Schrader, goes down, potentially fucked. We don't know that, though. Like, we don't know what these, I think, guys, these backups can do. No, but I'm just saying, like, you, you feel a lot. If you look at it on paper, you feel a lot better if you say, okay, one of my guys is going to miss a few games on defensive line than you do on the offensive line. Sure. I think, and I think that's something that Thomas needs to attack this offseason. Um, sort of like how he did the with... The current offseason? Yeah. Right now? Right now. The next four weeks? Next four weeks, sorry. <laughs> During um, training camp is... is Try and go out and either maybe trade one of these backup defensive linemen or sign uh, a veteran lineman that got released or something like that and see if we can plug them in in terms of just for depth's sake because uh, that's becoming more and more of a major concern for me as I, as I think about it and just look at the roster. Um, so I am concerned about that. It is concerning. Yeah. More of a glass half empty type of guy though. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't feel secure. And I know you can't have total, the same amount of depth everywhere. It just seems really lopsided right now. Right. Um, in terms of defense and offensive line. Um, it's totally opposite of what we've ever seen before. Yeah. Although our offensive line. Has never historically been amazing or anything. We had like those three years. Oh, yeah. We had uh, Harvey Dahl and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Just the burly bearded men. Yeah. They were really nasty and run blocking. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, the other major Falcons news is uh, Jalen Collins. There was a lot of guessing and speculation as to why he was taking reps, mostly with the second, third, and fourth string guys. And it has come to light that the reason behind that was um, he once again tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Um, the second offense yields a 10-game suspension, and that's what he's going to have to serve. And basically, uh, he will not be eligible to play until week 12 of the uh, – of this year. So yeah, that was a major bummer. And now you got to wonder if he's even going to come back at all. Yeah. Like, everyone was extremely disappointed in this one. Yeah. And I wish they don't they don't tell us what the substance is, but that would be interesting to know how well, this has happened well, again. I, it's it's something be, he knows he's taking. Yeah, because he said when he was... Um, interviewed about it. It's like, I'm still struggling with it or words to that effect. I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. So which makes me think he's got a problem. Um, well, could not, it, not just in terms could of Could it be something it, like weed? Or would they not call that a... That's PED. not a performance-enhancing drug. Some people might think it is. Right. It may enhance your hunger. Right. Or just natural, well, maybe, naturally good Maybe feelings. they loop it all in together. No, I think it's I think it's Because he had issues with something in college, too. Yeah, I think it might be a Ritalin thing. It might be... Um, I'm not sure. We, we don't know. But I think um, the quote by Thomas Dimitrov uh, says it all. He says, uh, and I quote here, we are extremely disappointed that for the second straight season we were dealing with a suspension for Jalen. Such are the consequences when certain choices are made. Our decisions going forward will be based on what uh, Coach Dan Quinn and I feel is best for the team. So I think that says all you need to know. That, to me, this kiss of death, they're kind of done with them. Um, where I don't think he's going to be coming back. He's going to have to really prove himself yeah. to be a good teammate and all those cliches over the next 
10 weeks if he's still with the team. Right. Because I think, too, if you get rid of him, you're pretty much saying we burned a second-round pick. Because he was a second-round pick when he was drafted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I could see saying, okay, maybe you get one more chance. But I could also see the argument for saying, you know, screw this guy because he's not taking this seriously. And even if he does have a problem, he's not getting the proper help he needs. He's not mature enough as an adult to say, I've got a problem. I'm putting my career at risk. Well, see, that's, and, that's the other thing, you know, is that does the team have a responsibility to get him that help? Because that, that's the other part of the conversation, is obviously he does have a serious problem. Yeah. I'm sure that they had to have given him some form of help after the first offense, at the very least, because you had that happen, obviously, you got to go through something because of that yeah, with they, the team. I you're mean, talking I like, about a significant amount of money he's losing. Yeah. And he's, he's ruining his career. Right. So I would imagine... Maybe they haven't done it. I mean, we don't know. I mean, I think it's a fair point to bring up. But um, I think at the bottom, of the, you know, at the end of the day, it's just it's it's upsetting because he was a valuable contributor. Um, I was looking forward to seeing how he was going to grow this year, um, but that's not going to happen. I heard he's still going to play in preseason games. Apparently, yeah. Um, so he can, he can still practice and play in preseason until the season starts. Yeah. So. But would you say just? Cut the, I, I cut the cord, or would you I wouldn't cut him, the cord? I wouldn't cut the cord yet. You let him write it out and see what happens. See how he responds to this. The next time, well, the next time he's indefinitely, indefinitely suspended. I think it's two years. Two years, and then I think the fourth one is indefinite suspension. I know Either the next. Way. I know the next one's two. Years. He would be done with the Falcons. Yeah, and he might be done now. I think yeah. it's just going to depend on, uh, you know, what Q and and Thomas think or is the best route there. They obviously know him a hell of a lot better than we do. Um, so, and they know their policies a lot better than yeah, we do. Yeah, exactly. And so us... And they're a lot smarter than us. Of course. Uh, have better our money. Have our money, better looking. Better looking. Um, the list goes on. Um, live a more lavish lifestyle. Have a nicer bicycle. <laughs> yes. At least this Thomas is true. Does. This is true. Um, but, yeah, so I mean, whatever we have to say is just pure speculation, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, if he's let go because of this and then... That could be the end of his career. Yep. Which is which is sad. Um, but, well, it is what it is. Um, That's too late. Uh, have you heard about this Netflix show where uh, it's some, like, school in Mississippi, and it's where all, like, the athletes, it's the college athletes that get busted for some sort of, like, drug offense or domestic violence or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's where they go to play. No, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, so they go they go down there and try to make it back. Unfortunately, Jalen couldn't do that because he's not in college anymore. But maybe they need to put him on that show just to get his head right. <laughs> Say this is what could happen to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Alabama recruits heavily from there, of course, though. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I think in terms of the game tomorrow, not too much to really go into. I know Taylor Gabriel and Julio are not going to play. Matt's probably going to play one snap, if that. Um, I think this is a time to really uh, look at some of the draft picks, right? Um, your Sean Harlow's, you know, the guy we drafted on the offensive line who's competing for the guard position right now. He's probably not going to win, but time to watch him. Time to watch DeMonte Casey, uh, the cornerback we drafted in the fifth round out of San Diego State who's trying to be converted to a uh, safety. Um, so I think, I mean, that's what you've got to do in these, these preseason games and just see how... You know, especially the early ones, see how the uh, the new guys are going to fare, um, the rookies. 
Yeah. I mean, guy's trying to make the team. I don't so. think Tox, Tax playing either, is he? No, I think the shoulder is – I know he's participating a lot, but I'm, I'm sure they want to make sure that take his, his – uh, Yeah, take it easy on that shoulder. Just, you know, no reason to risk it. Um, Duke Riley's another guy I really want to see, the guy we drafted at linebacker um, out of LSU who was a uh, former running mate of Deion Jones. Mm-hmm. It's apparently just Deion Jones – 2.0. Junior or 2.0, yeah. yeah. So um, look forward to seeing what he's got out there. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens in the game tomorrow. But it's, it's is that why you said you were going to be late to our little uh, shindig tomorrow? You're going to be sitting there watching offensive mm, guard rookies and no, that is not the, the reason why I'm going to be late. Are doing, no, just I, studying film. Yeah, no, that is not the reason I'm going to be late <laughs> to the event tomorrow. Um, it's actually a much more uh, illegal activity. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Anyways, although one could say watching the first game of preseason football could be an illegal activity for how fucking boring it can be. Watch the first series, and then, although we, this is our first time, uh, we have a professional podcast now, so exactly. I guess it's our obligation to watch it. Yeah, and, uh, I remember when I covered... Give uh, it to the users. Yeah, when I covered the Falcons for a uh, sports blog that will not be named, uh, out of professional courtesy, even though they showed me none, um... It was tough getting through those preseason games. I watched every single minute of every single preseason game. Oh, God. Every second. And it was just like... That's brutal. I felt like I was getting torn in half after a while. I mean, the football was just so bad. I was like watching middle school football or something. It was ugly. I remember the the one year I had season tickets, there was just like nothing more disappointing than the excitement of getting in the Dome and all the pregame stuff. And just you feel the energy and then the game starts. And then it goes on and on and on. It never ends. You know who nobody is. Yep. The Duke's previous quarterback is in for you. Yeah, it's it's ugly. Yeah. Um, right, I think it's Sir Falcons report. Unless you have anything else you want to squawk about there. Um, let me do a quick run through. I'm good. All right. <laughs> Way to use your brain. Um, all right, so moving on to the Braves. Um, so once again, we still cannot beat the Phillies. Phillies are in town for a two-game series. We lost the first game to them last night, 5-2. to two. Even worse, Johan Camargo went on the disabled list. Before the game started. Before the game started, um, he apparently had an issue walking onto the field and then had a bone bruise because of Did you see the video of it? That. I have not seen the video, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's very fluky. Even when it happened, you could tell, like, it seemed like one of those moments that you'd want to laugh at, just some guy like tripping and falling. Yeah. You could see Freddie like on the verge of laughing, and then, and then he's like, like, "Oh shit! Oh no!" <laughs> I could see Freddie doing hurt. that. Yeah, yeah. So. I missed the beginning of the game last night, so I didn't so, see that. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. Yeah, um, it's not a serious injury though. They did an MRI. Yeah, I thought it was going to be brutal when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, saw you know did an MRI. It's just a bone bruise, no ligament damage. Expected to miss. 10 days to a couple weeks. So, um, best case scenario there. Yeah. So, it's been speculated that Dansby might come back up. It's official. It's official. So, yep. Dansby's back up. Okay. Dansby's playing tonight. So, Dansby's back. So we get to see Dansby and Osby. 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 <laughs> Dansby and Ozzy. Finally, the, the, the middle of the line, or middle of the field battery yeah. that we've been wanting to see for so long, has been hyped for so long, kinda is finally s- together. Kind of sucks, though, because I, I wanted Dansby to get that full month. And Gwinnett, because I mean his numbers there weren't exactly impressive. He was hitting two thirty seven. Yeah, I would rather 
I wonder if that was one of those just like forced call-ups where it's just like, well, who else are we going to call? Well, now that they point? traded Sean Rodriguez. That's another thing we should talk about. So what 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 was the reason for doing that? Uh, we basically I'm, we just have too many middle in, middle infielders. I know with the emergence point. of Camargo, especially, yeah, it was kind of like... that's a big deal. And I know he didn't show much either because I know he's just getting back into it because he wasn't even supposed to come back yet this year and then right. he starts yeah. playing in, in July. But um, you got to remember, we signed him initially to be our starting second baseman this year. Yeah, and then he got and hurt. And then he got hurt. And then so Brandon then, Phillips. Yeah, we got Brandon Phillips. Yeah. So that's one guy that emerges, Brandon Camargo. Phillips. Camargo. And, and then Camargo on top of him. And then Danny Santana's been pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there wasn't a need for him. Yeah, and then Albies, or Albies. Yeah, well, yeah, now with Albies having to get him the uh, playing time, yeah. there wasn't going to be a need for him next year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he had like a $9 million salary, I believe. Yeah, so might as well. Which is funny. It's just like baseball salary versus football, which we were just talking like Sean Rodriguez was making more money than Devontae Freeman's going to make. Right, which is nuts if you yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Braves are. Um, Did you see Sean Rodriguez hit a walk off homer in his first game with the Pirates. Of course, goes <laughs> yeah. back to his old squad and does that. Right? Like Bartolo pitching a complete game with the Twins, which is just absolutely absurd. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. I couldn't believe that crap. I still thought it was a fluky no hitter, given a stat line. Well, it wasn't a no hitter. Or not no hitter, complete game. Sorry. Nonetheless, do you remember what he did with us? Yeah, nothing. He had one good start in that Easter game. And that was it. Yeah. Like, I, remember, oh, I remember going to that game. I was like, oh, man, he pitched like seven innings, one run. Great. This is what it's like to have a professional. Yeah. And then, no. But, yeah, so was, that's too bad about Sean Rodriguez because I was really looking forward to watching him. I know he struggled, but to me it was like he was still in spring training mode trying to get his feet under him. Right, and I don't understand gone. why they rushed him up either, you know. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really make sense. Um, Especially I, I with that depth we had. Yeah, I was like, why? I guess he was ready. He wasn't ready. I mean, why else would they rush him like, back, though? He was like over 13 in the minors before they got him up. Yeah, it's, it's, it is confounding. Um, but That's, I completely made that stat up, of course, but... It was, I, I bought it. I thought it was legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was an unimpressive uh, stat line. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Braves doing sort of what they've been doing recently. Um, in terms they of... They won a series won against a series, the Marlins. Now they're about to lose a series against the Phillies. We're two and ten against the Phillies, who have the worst record in baseball. Who we're eight games ahead of. This is, flu- I mean, it's fluky. It, it doesn't matter for this year. The import- no, but it's still like, I don't understand. I really don't get it. Like on paper, we are a better team than them. They have like two decent young pieces, but but yet and yet, they seem to just have our number each time we play them this year. Did you see the uh, home run that Adubel Herrera hit off Julio last night? Yeah. That pitch was like in the dirt, and yeah. he golfs it out of there like Tiger Woods. He's got a freak uh, plate coverage. I've seen him hit, but like that, I mean, like that, that just before. shows how fluky this, like that in a nutshell, you think it encompasses this yeah. relationship with the Phillies this yeah. year. If you yeah. could put one gift together, right, for uh, why we suck against the Phillies, it's that yeah. show that at bat. There's really yeah, there's really no explanation. It's like a throwaway it. pitch, and it's gone. Yeah. And there's been a lot of games too that have been really close. Like that four game series, three of the four games were decided by one run. Um, right. So it's just kind of like in two of those we sh- we should have won. So, um, so yeah, we're fifty one and sixty, fifteen games behind the Nationals. I think we're eleven games out of the wild card. Yeah, I mean this season's in- inconsequential. Twelve and a half games out of the wild yeah. card. So yeah, there's really whatever. Yeah, the important thing is we get to see the young guys now. The young guys, 
And Lucas Sims, I will say this. I watched the game on Sunday. Lucas Sims, which we lost. But Lucas Sims gives up back-to-back homers, gives up four runs in the first inning. Yep. And then battles. And then we talked about moments on the last episode. Show me moments. Show me that you can overcome the bullshit. Show me that you can rise above adversity. That's exactly what the young man did. He went out there, pitched five more innings. I think he pitched six innings overall. The only runs he gave up were in that first, was in that first inning. He could have imploded. He could have started beating himself up, but he really showed something. Yeah. So I was I was impressed because his off speed stuff was terrible in that first inning, and then something happened where he just made some adjustments. Balls were being you know they weren't being thrown in the middle of the plate as much. They were getting a little more snap on the curveball. Um, so that was really great to see. Yeah, that was really great to see. So Hamlin got freed up now. Max freed yep. pitched two innings of relief last night. Is that? I mean, do we not see him as a starter anymore? I think we do. I think we do, and we should, because that's what his his pedigree is. And um, I think it's just one of those things where our rotation's kind of a little set right now. Right. Um, so there's really no room for him. Maybe they just wanted to get him, give him some major league experience, and they said longer labor time. He looked good, man. Yeah. And I was impressed with how he looked uh, last night. Um, Nick Marcakis got his 2,000th hit. Yay. Um, I think that was the biggest ovation, or biggest, not even ovation, forget ovations. That was the biggest reaction to anything Nick Marcakis has done in his time in Atlanta. Ever. Yeah. Like, I feel like he is one of those unsung guys that goes out there and plays the game so quietly. But well, that's his personality. That's his personality. Yeah. And I'm totally fine. Like, he's, he's my type of player. He's the shut-up-and-play kind of guy. I love, I love the guy. Right. Um, I watch him a ton as a Baltimore Oriole, too. Um, that's just the kind of player he is. Yeah, I mean, him being so quiet, that's even something his teammates have talked about. Mm-hmm. It's just like a struggle to get any words out of him. Yeah, he almost flashed a smile. There was like a brief, like... I wouldn't even say half mile, like a quarter or an eighth smile. Yeah. When he was standing on first base. And it was classic Nick Marcakis too in terms of the hit. Opposite field single, like a three hop like a five hopper through a hole. You know, right, it's just classic right. Nick Marcakis opposite field single. Uh trivia time. Who was the last player to record his two thousandth hit with a uh Braves uniform on? That's a good question. Um I'm not gonna say Chipper. Troy Glaus? Not a bad guess. A.J. Pierzynski. Ah. Which was like last year. Right. Or two years ago. Mm-hmm. But he just played forever. Yeah, I know. He played for a while. Um, but yeah, congratulations to Nick Marcakis. Um, the unsung Atlanta Brave, who has quietly been here and performed pretty well during these dark rebuilding times. I think he ever feels like he's kind of wasted the last, like, few years of decency in his career. I think in terms of playing for a contender, yes. In terms of setting himself up for financial security for the rest of his life now. Yeah. Um, he gets to play in his home state. He gets to make a good amount of money, especially for a player with his skill set. I think he got to just approach it with a no regrets kind of attitude. I think he made his, his bed uh, in terms of wanting to play for a contender. And that's not to say he still couldn't go. Like, I don't think his career is close to being over. I think he's still got another two, three years left. Yeah, he can yeah. go out there and play. Be a fourth outfielder somewhere. Yeah. Um, so... We got anything else on the Braves? Ronald Acuna continues to kick ass in Gwinnett, hitting 347, 426 on base, 574 slugging percentage, and a 1,000 on base plus slugging percentage. I don't know what else you need to see at this point. I think we got to call him up. 
Well, there's issues with um, he's not on the 40-man roster, so you have to sacrifice someone, someone. from 40. Yeah. If you want to bring him up this year, and I guess I guess you might as well wait until September I mean, at this you, point. Oh, definitely until September. Yeah, because September won't matter. Gotcha, gotcha. Because yeah, you yeah, call bring, up the bring whole up September farm at that point, and then there's probably a good chance that he's your opening day right or left fielder next yeah. year. And I think you know, there's no still no timetable on that Kemp's return or Adonis Garcia, but I'm, I'm more interested in Kemp, obviously, because I think he has something to offer. But I mean. What do you do with him next year? Kemp? He's, he's gained a lot of that weight back. He can't stay healthy. You look to try and move him in the offseason or hope he can come back. Well, let's, let's see who's, who we got. We got Enciarte, obviously, in center. Marquecas has one year left on his deal. And then we want Acuna. We want Acuna up. So Mar- either, it's either Marquecas yeah, I mean, you're or moving one of those guys. Or Marquecas him- or Kemp. If Copy tries to move Enciarte, I'm going to... I don't scream. I don't like, know why he would do that. That'd be so stupid. I, I, there'd be no reason for him to do that. Man is such an elite. They already have him on a fielder. team-friendly deal. He's Great wrapped hitter. up. He's proved himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that'll happen either. But I could just. It's I mean, just, I don't know. Just because he started dangling Albies out there and all these other people, I don't know. The man will trade anybody. That's not Freddie Freeman. I think trading Albies would be, would have been different than trading Enciarte. I agree. I think Enciarte has more value than Albies right now. Yeah, I think Alvis has a higher ceiling, but in terms of uh, that's interesting though. I think a lot of teams would consider his upside enough to say Alvis, that Alvis is more valuable than Enciarte well, because of the potential. The uh, our friends over at Talking Chop mm-hmm. were discussing Alvis and how they wouldn't have been terribly upset with trading him because, like he. The point they made is he's not like an Acuna-type prospect. He's yeah. not like an Aaron Judge mm-hmm. or Bellinger, somebody like that. Um, and the fact that the Braves have moved him to second base kind of shows that they don't value him as much as some teams that would have kept him at shortstop. Mm. Shortstop's more valuable position. Mm-hmm. So something to think about. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's going to be a solid major league player, but he's not going to – I think. I don't know. We'll see. I think he has a chance to be a potential. I think, given his tools, I think he has a chance to be a. I think, I think You're a the, tool. Sorry. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, I think, uh, given his skill set, I think he can be a really. He's not going to be a judge or an Acuna in the sense he's going to hit 30 home runs a year. But I think he can be beyond a solid player. I don't think he's going to be a Jeff Blauser or something like that. Oh. Hey, Plowser was a good player, man. I mean, yeah, he's fine, but I mean, it's like, you know, Albies, to me, I have very high expectations for him. Maybe that's, you know. What are you basing these expectations on? Just about all the things I've read about him over the years. Switch hitter, good defender, elite speed. Um, I really want him to go apeshit on the base path. Uh, I know he's, you know, hitting below 200 right now, but I think there's still... The jury's way out on him. Yeah. Way out at this point. He almost hit a couple balls out on Sunday. Yeah. I know he did get his first home run recently, and that was his first hit, which was cool to see. Yeah. Um, but maybe you're right. Maybe then Vincerti mm. does have higher value. Um, yeah, I think we're wrapping up our Braves report. Um, looking forward to seeing Acuna in September. Looking forward to watching Sims, Newcomb, Fulte keep pitching, seeing what they can give us. And then setting the stage for um, for next season. Yep. Next season is a time when we really got to see 
I don't see us competing next year. I don't see us competing for the playoffs necessarily next year, but I won't, it's got to be better than this year. has to be. Yeah, you got to be at least a 500 team next gotta year. got to be a 500. But, I mean, if you're throwing these young kids in the pitching staff, I don't know if that's possible. Well, Fulte, I expect. Well, Fulte, yeah, he's proven himself. Tehran, Tehran sucks. Might trade him. Yeah, that's certainly possible. Uh, Dickey's probably gone. Dickey, no, Dickey might come back. Maybe. He has an option. But um, he's been respectable. Yeah. I think at that point, though, Newcomb and I'm not even going to say necessarily Sums is a huge part of the rotation, but he, maybe Freed's doing something. It's time to see these. We'll, we'll know more over the next Unleash month and the and a half. prospects. Yeah, Unleash that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. I know they're coming. I'm really looking forward to Soroka and Allard. I think they're going to be huge. I think they potentially could have a chance to show up maybe at some point next year. I think by 2020, 2020 is the year we have to win the division. 2019, 2020. That's the year we've really got to do it. If not, you fire a copy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think. If we are still 72 and whatever, you know, 10 plus games under 500, then we failed. Yeah. Um, if it gets that far, Coffey's just going to start spending money in free agency to s- save his job. Yeah, potentially. And, but and the thing is, Frank Wren. Yeah, by twenty twenty, Freddie will only have two years left on his deal. Um, so you better be fucking doing something yeah. at that point. Yeah, don't waste them. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe we can get there sooner. But I agree. Next year, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not seeing it. I had hopes when we were like close to the playoffs this year. Yeah, but, but I don't. No, no, I'm not. I just think we're too young. Depending on too what many we do, questions. depending too on what we do this off season, yeah, could make a move or two. To bring yeah, you never know. That could completely change, yeah. completely change expectations. Yep. But I think 2019, 2020 better be damn well competing at that point. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I think that wraps up. Yes. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to the real uh, important stuff of the week. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> so ESPN uh, finally realized that since they've been such a like ratings have been going downhill. Over the past ten I, years, I want to go on a little rant about ESPN real quick before you go into your story. Okay. And why? Why me. they're going downhill? Well, it's 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 interesting because ESPN used to be the thing I looked forward to, like Sports Center and Baseball Tonight. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, Baseball We're, Tonight was like the happiest thirty minutes of my life. Oh, same. NFL primetime with Boomer and uh, Tom Jackson. Yeah. Fucking amazing. I know they kept doing that up until last season or the year before that or whatever. But it wasn't NFL primetime anymore. It's just these short segments on SportsCenter. And the thing that really started to piss me off about ESPN, what, what they are afraid of, obviously people cutting the cord for cable. You and I don't have cable any, anymore. That's a problem for um, them. And it's just us. It's not anyone else. It's just us. They're really concerned. Just, Adam you, and Graham you know, don't yeah. have cable anymore. Yeah, they, no. No, no one else in our generation is doing that. Right. Uh, no, they're worried about that. Millennials cutting the cable cord, and it's killing them. Like in terms of Disney, ESPN is like a tumor on them in terms of just bleeding money. Yeah, they've cut, they've they've downsized considerably. They're getting rid of majority of their actual journalists, guys like Ed Werder, who's a quality journalist. Uh, did a front row thing. <laughs> uh, guys like Ed Werder, who are a, you know, is a quality reporter. Jason Stark. All these guys are getting shit canned yeah. because they want to start making. The stuff that is that can be more easily consumed by the, um, I guess, 
of, you know, online. younger millennials yeah. online. On the YouTube. Like, ESPN's not even a place for highlights anymore, Sports Center, really. You get that a little bit, but for the most part, it's these fucking celebrities coming in talking about sports, and they have no insight on sports, really. Um, I mean, I haven't watched Sports Center in a long time. I haven't that really what happens? either. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'll catch it every once in a while, and it's like, you know, after like the like in the 10 a.m. hour or something, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we're bringing on Future or Usher or Kid Rock." I don't fucking know. It's just like, you know, I watched that show, and another reason is like you can consume highlights. You don't have to wait for Sports Center. We can go online. We can go on Twitter and pull something up in five seconds. Right. So there's not as much of a need to watch a highlight show like Sports Center, which is why they've changed what they've done. But I would still sit down and watch highlights. I though. would too. But I, but I think we are in the minority. We're, we're not the major market we're, they're catering to anymore. No. And and that's the problem and, with kids and, these days. And they have the data to prove that they that that they have to make a change. And that's why we got bullshit shows like First Take, where it's just Stephen A. Smith screaming the whole time. And for some reason, people <laughs> like to watch that. That's amazing that people um, watch like that in Skip Bayless's new show with yeah. Shannon Sharp. That's really just become a. a I was, whole I was new thing. watching that today, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is just trash." Yeah, it's garbage. It's just meant to have hot takes that can piss people off and get people talking and get people to Skip watch their Bayless show. Said what? Yeah, exactly, and that's it. And maybe we need hot takes. Yeah, maybe we'd have more users. Maybe we should talk about national sports, Adam. Let's get away from whoa, what we've whoa, been. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're already getting a little too far away from my comfort in this conversation. Perhaps. But anyways, like, and now when I put on SportsCenter, it's a bunch of, it's either talking heads for 30 minutes or an hour, or it's celebrities. You have, like, it seems, and I know at times they'll still show a lot of, you know, decent amount of highlights, but it's like, the majority of it is these talking heads and celebrities. It's just so, and it's made me not want to watch anymore. And this started happening a while ago. This is before they really started freaking out about people cutting the cable cord. And I have no incentive to watch it anymore. I have no incentive to watch any ESPN stuff. To me, not because of I want to get rid of cable. It's because I'm not interested in the content they're producing because of their fear of people wanting to get rid of cable. I'm not interested anymore. All those shows I used to watch. But now I don't watch them anymore because they don't do what they were meant to do anymore. Yeah. Um, so ESPN's at a very bizarre crossroad right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's it, funny it's that they, talking head bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. The bar, barstool guys have been attacking them for a couple of years now. And yeah. I, I could see barstool surpassing ESPN at some point here. I mean, I think what, they're, they're doing it right. Yeah, no. And, and the thing, and they, they have a lot of inter- fun stuff. You know, I, I, I especially enjoy part of my take, um, because, that show you can, I mean, you can start and stop it whenever you want. It's a podcast. Sometimes they don't always talk about sports, but they're always entertaining. They're always really yeah. funny, um, very quick witted. Yeah, I envy them because we're, we're trying, man. Yeah, we're trying. <laughs> but they, uh, they, they, they wipe their noses with with guys like us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, it's, it's it's interesting. But I've been thinking about that recently. The very thing that ESPN is afraid of in terms of having too many highlights because not enough people are watching that, that is the reason why I have stopped watching, which I think is highly ironic. And I'm not the, everyone, obviously, but that's the reason I've stopped. Indeed. But anyways, the, the thing they did well... Yeah, please. ...yesterday. You remember the movie Dodgeball? Yes. And they, Dodgeball was played on ESPN, The Ocho. Yeah, remember that. It was funny. So yesterday, 
for an entire day ESPNU was ESPN the Ocho. And it like I, I'm pissed I didn't know it was going on at the time because mm-hmm. I would have been watching it the entire day. So it started with um, the 2016 American Disc Golf Championship, followed by the Roller Derby Championships, followed by 4 a.m. Sky Zone Ultimate Trampoline Dodgeball. Which, trust me, it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Graham, Graham isn't convinced yet. No. All right, I'll hit you with another couple ones. So, have you ever heard of Kabaddi? No. It's basically professional tag. Wow. Like grown adult athletes running around playing tag, and it got physical. Continue. See, Graham, you've seen zero highlights, so you don't, you don't understand how amazing it was. The World Darts Championship were on it. Arm wrestling, cornhole, uh, the Moxie Games, which is where there's people juggling. There's like four different teams and guys juggling, and then characters that were like straight out of the movie Dodgeball mm-hmm. trying to knock out the jugglers with dodgeballs. And the jugglers were like, catch the dodgeball mid juggle and throw it back. It was phenomenal, Graham. Trust me on this. You're ruining this whole segment for me with your complete lack of uh, inspiration. It's just silly. It's, it was so entertaining. Like, that would literally be on, if, that, if the Ocho were a real thing, it would be on nonstop. So they did, they did it as a joke at one time kind of event just to do it. But these are like real... I know those are real things that happen. Yeah. But in terms of... That's yeah, like, they did it as a joke. Yeah, but it's not like going to be something that they plan to televise. It should be. It should be a full-time it's, thing for It's them. kind of like, and, I, and I'm going to sound like a hypocrite here, because I think all that shit sounded really stupid, and I would never want to watch it. But They're, they play volleyball. There's a game. I can't remember the name of it, but they play volleyball with their feet where they just do like these unbelievable kicks and spike it over the net. It's like the most it's athletic like thing I've ever seen in my life. Internet YouTube stuff. I don't know. It's like... It's a real game that people play. They're just bringing it to the masses. Okay. Um... You're just this like white little. I'm a white guy little curmudgeon. Baseball highlights. Yes, I need my baseball highlights. I want my highlights. I want my I want my highlights, and then I want Boomer and TJ to break it down. The That's arm the arm wrestling match was the most intense sporting event I've seen all year. Okay, I I don't know. I mean, it's I guess that's fine. I mean, I, I'm going to sound really hypocritical there because I think that's all that shit sounds really dumb to me. But I love every year watching the hot dog eating contest because I think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. And that's on ESPN proper. You so, say, I'm gonna, after I, this podcast, I sound like a total hypocrite. Yeah. After I no, show no. you this, I'm going to just show you the video and be like, oh, I totally get it now. I mean, it could be entertaining. It's just kind of like this is what ESPN has to do to feel like they have to be, re- to be relevant or to get people to watch that aren't watching right now. Well, it's now. any sporting like network. What sporting network is doing anything differently than them? I don't watch Fox Sports. I don't really watch exactly. any sporting exactly. network because I got burned out on ESPN because they started talking head talking heading me to death um, and celebrity joined celebrities all the time to me to death to the point where I didn't want to watch it anymore. And now that makes me not want to watch any other sports show. I don't want to watch TNT basketball. I don't want to watch Fox NFL pregame. I don't want to watch CBS <laughs> NFL pregame. Because there's a bunch. Because there's so many times, and all these guys are sitting around. Well, and, it's over, and they're, no, it's it's overexposure. Like, yeah, it's overexposure. It's too much. Why do I need ten fucking guys sitting around a desk? Why can't it just be two? 
Why can't it just be Boomer and TJ again? Well, it was simple. They talked for like a minute, showed five minutes of highlights, talked for another 30 seconds, and it was done. And then you moved on to the next segment. Now it's guys talking about sub... Everybody's got to have their fucking opinion. And then you got to go over to the desk B where you have the two attractive women and one guy over there and talking about some other bullshit that doesn't matter. So and then you got to go over and talk about fantasy football. And then you got to go over and talk about some bullshit fake interview with some comedian that's done a sketch that was on Mad TV at one time that now you're going to show that. It's oh, like Frank Caliendo. Right. And now it's, it's just like, it's just too much. It's just too much. Give me the fucking things so, I came to so watch. So you, you want just two guys sitting on a couch talking sports. Yeah, just like we're doing right now. We're keeping it simple, Adam. We're not going to have seven guys sitting around on, on eight couches talking about different things. I think we un- unexpectedly just did a promo for our show. We did. <laughs> It's, it's just too much out there. It is. And then fla- do all those flashes and then just show us sitting here yeah. with a dog on the couch. Right. But uh, does that does that make Like, don't you feel like when you watch these shows, like, you don't want to watch? You oh, don't no, want to watch. I have zero interest. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I'm done. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. They've done too much. And they shove it down your throat. No. And expect I, you to watch it. it. But the Ocho. That's the next thing coming. Yeah. Anyways. And that's one more thing I'll say about people that piss me off. I cannot stand during games when they cut to a shot of the announcers and they're sitting there how palling around, hitting each other on the shoulder, laughing, talking about some inside joke. Like, I'm their buddy. Like, they're my friend. They're my best friend. I love them so much. And it's like, I don't give a fuck about your inside jokes that make no sense to me or your camera guy has a birthday. Just call the fucking game and be professionals. Stay on subject. We do a lot of inside jokes. We have that as an aside every once in a while. But it becomes a regular thing with these national broadcasts to cut inside the booth to look at these old, out-of-shape white guys talking about bullshit that I have no insight into and I don't care about. I just want to hear about the game. If you have one aside or something, that's fine. A couple, whatever. But it's like elongated segments. It's ridiculous. Graham, I think like if there were a, uh, a graph... Yeah. Showing the different types of uh, listeners out there for these uh, major sporting events. Yeah. I think you'd be like the teeny tiny sliver. I clearly am because this is the way sports programming is old going to. Old I just liked it when it was pure. When a guy in got out, told me what I needed to, to, to hear. I don't need extra stuff. I think maybe you, like, you ever think you should have been born in like the 30s maybe? I think if I was born in the seven, 60s or 70s, that would have been the golden time. Yeah. Just think about it. Star Wars comes out. Never seen anything like that. Get all of these amazing sports moments. All these amazing films made in the 70s. Yeah. Amazing music. That's all the shit I like anyway. You just listen to the radio at night, read the paper in the morning. Yeah. So maybe so. Yeah. Maybe I'm ridiculous. Right. Everyone probably thinks I'm ridiculous. I'm another person on a sports show going on some elongated rant that has nothing to do about Atlanta sports, which is what you came to hear, users. Well, so maybe I am part of the problem. Right. <laughs> maybe I should just quit and be done. Maybe we should just You're an issue. The so we got we got to bring it back to Atlanta sports. Yeah. We also don't like ESPN because they have hated the Atlanta Braves and all Atlanta. And all sports Atlanta sports. They even called forever. us out as the worst sports town in America. Which I thought was horseshit. So we got that, and yeah. then uh, I like to arm wrestle at bars in Atlanta. So there you go. <laughs> it all comes back to it. Um, but yeah, I hated that story. Which story? The story about us being the worst sports town oh, in America. Yeah, which I oh. think is, is is not true at all. Oh, that was that asshole uh, Shaughnessy from. Oh, not Boston. just that. No, this was also like the oh, story really? six or seven years oh. ago. 
And then I remember looking at a, a Yankees you know, ALDS game multiple years in a row being like, huh, there's only like half the stadium that's full. Anyone say New York's the worst sports town no in America? Yeah. yeah. So, a bunch yeah. of fucking hypocrites. Indeed. Um, but yes, so I have clearly, I'm part of the problem and I apologize. <laughs> so, moving on to our Hawks segment yeah. of the day. Uh, Hawks made another signing this past week. We signed Luke Babbitt. I didn't even hear about this. Oh, yeah? No. Do you know who Luke Babbitt is? Oh, maybe I did because why else would I recognize that name? Because who the hell is Luke Babbitt? Um, so Luke Babbitt, recently of the Miami Heat, he's a six nine uh, reincarnation of Kyle Korver. Oh, I, I mean, I, it was his highlight. Too. Picked in the first round of the twenty ten draft. He's a vet. He'd come in here to space the floor. Went to UNLV. Oh, I remember him from UNLV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, he was saying he chose... I mean, it's a veteran minimum. He's the... Uh, I mean, the guy can shoot. He's among the three best three-point field goal shooters uh, since the 2014-2015 season. Shot, 40, shot 43.8%, which is better than Steph Curry um, in that time span by a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he was saying part of the reason he picked the Hawks, despite the bad projections... Is that offense, man? Is yeah, Mike Budenholzer's offense. He wanted to be a part of that, um, and he's like, you got young guys like Prince and Bazemore and uh, Schroeder, yeah, who sure. are going to need a shooter in order to space the floor. Yeah, so. why not? I mean, he's, he's, if he's a younger Corver, I'm I'm totally fine yeah. with that. And I'm sure he was he was cheap, veteran minimum, veteran minimum. There yep. you go. Yep. So um, I think it's a decent. Yeah, under, no, I like under that. the radar. I sign. like that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the roster is pretty much rounded out now with him coming in. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, yeah, not a bad signing, though. Yeah, so figured we'd need to at least mention it. Nothing to uh, go apeshit about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see his numbers from last year for average almost five points a game. Um, maybe we'll get, just maybe he'll get more gonna, of an opportunity. Something like a bench guy is just going to come in and, and shoot some threes. He didn't play a lot yeah. when he was on. I'm looking at his numbers now and cheating, but it didn't seem like he played. He didn't play in the last five games of the year for the for the Heat, so I'm, I'm sure he'll get regular playing time yeah. here. Um, okay, something to watch, as Adam Kalal likes to say. Something to look for. Something to look for. Damn it, I messed it up. I think that wraps up our Hawks coverage. Um, thank you all for listening. This is. The end of today's Atlanta Zone episode. Episode 17. I actually think we're, I think this might be the 20th one. Wow. Or the 21. Something like that. Okay. I think it's at least 20 times. So pretty good. Yeah, not bad. And going strong. Um, tell your friends if you enjoy the show, our family, and think they like to listen to two drunks random about Atlanta sports. Find us on Twitter at ATL's Own Sports and on Facebook at ATL's Own Sports Podcast. Bradham Kalal and Graham Waldrop. Hospitality. Hospitality.